Well, good morning. It's so good to see you guys this morning. Uh, man, wasn't last week pretty amazing? If you were here last week, check this out. We had 14 people that gave their hearts to Jesus last week in our services. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's what it's all about. And, uh, and we got to experience that. And if you weren't able to be with us last week, uh, welcome back. I'm glad you're here with us. Uh, we, are, we are kicking off a new series today, so I, I'm really excited to, to get that going. Uh, but uh, I also want to give one plug here, um, is May 19th, everybody say May 19th. May 19th. We are doing water baptisms yeah. here on Sunday morning at this service. And so uh, it, it's one of my favorite services that we do. Uh, it's so powerful, so awesome to see somebody come up and stand before a crowd like this and give you guys their testimony, and then we get to see them walk that out by saying, you know what, the old man is dead, but the new one is here in Christ, and, and that's just powerful, so you don't wanna miss. If you haven't had an opportunity to be water baptized and you are a follower of Jesus, let me tell you, sign up today. We have a class that you can attend that can teach you biblical truths on why this matters, but I'm telling you, this is a, an amazing next step if you surrendered your life to Jesus and chose to be his disciple. It's what we do, and I'm telling you, you will be blessed if you do. So I'm excited. So May 19th, and, uh, and if you've never been part of something like that, man, uh, invite people. I mean, it is powerful. It is awesome. I believe that good things come out of that when we proclaim what God has done on the inside. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, uh, let's begin with prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together. We thank you, God, for what you're going to share through your word today. God, we already say thank you, Lord, because we know that your, your word is good. It does not return back void. And God, as we open up scripture and as we share and we hear, God, I pray that it falls on good soil, soil ready to receive, soil that is, is, is ready to, to allow your word to be rooted down deep into our hearts. So help me as the communicator today to share what you want me to share. Let me get out of the way, Lord, and I pray that you have your way. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, hey, uh, we are in a new series today kicking off. It's called Relationship Goals, Relationship Goals. Now, that's like a social media term that kind of came out when, when you admire a certain couple or a certain thing that you want to aspire to, you say, that's my goals or that's a goal, hashtag goals, or that's a relationship goal that I want to do, I want to see in my life. Now, oftentimes we look at these images on, on social media that people post and, and, and we look at them and we're like, I want that. But oftentimes we don't know what that is, right? We just say, we want that. There's something in us that, that wants that. We, we see this perfect set up this perfect photo, looks all perfect, and we're like, man, that, that, that's what I want. That's, that's, that's what I want to see happen in my life. But oftentimes, we don't really see the reality, right? We just see the perception. I, I'm going to have some fun this morning. I want to show you a couple of, of, of pics out there, uh, some Instagram pics here. Um, so, so like, check that out. I mean, doesn't that look great? You know, this is, this is somebody who wakes up at 5.30 in the morning, and they have this amazing time with their Devo time with Jesus and, and coffee, and they just get inspired to, to, to make muffins from scratch, you know? And they want the world to see that. And they have this, this, this perfect opportunity to just post that and be like, muffins with Jesus, hashtag, right? <laughs> Goals or something, right? And it's get lots of likes, and it makes us, we look at it, oh, man, they, they got up that early. But let's look at the reality. 
That's often the reality, right? For any mom or dad, you know what I'm talking about. You got a toddler screaming. You know, you got, you got a big mess in the background because you know that those muffins, they, they're messy. It, it takes a lot of, of, of work to do to, put, to make that perfect photo, right? Here, here's another one. I got one more for you. This person, man, they're just getting into fitness and, you know, they're pretty proud of themselves and they're like, you know, I, I, I attempted this hand or headstand and I want the world to know, you know, I, I, I'm hashtag fit, you know, and this is a goal. But what we don't see is the re- reality. The reality is that somebody's holding them up, <laughs> you know, we get bamboozled, right? We kind of go, man, like, like. That's great, it's a post, and oftentimes we look at these posts and we, we scroll through them and, and we're like, man, those, those are goals, but we don't really know what we're talking about because we don't, we don't realize that there's a lot behind the scenes to bring up that photo or, or, or post that pic, and oftentimes, well, you know, like any couples in the room, you know, you know when you have that moment where uh, uh, the other person wants to do a selfie, right, and, and, and they do this selfie and they got to get the, the lighting just right and the right filter, you know? Uh, I, I'm gonna call my, my, uh, my spouse out a little bit. Sometimes we have to take 17 photos and I look through all 17 and I have the same face expression on all 17. But somehow she wants to take that 18th photo so she can post it. Come on, we're all guilty of that at times, right? Some of us think that relationship goals are shown in, in a romantic vacation or a long walk on the beach, but... We understand that relationships are way more complicated than that. The real secret of a great relationship or a great marriage is much deeper than just a hashtag, much deeper than just a post, just a moment. See, our understanding of healthy relationships, and that's what we're going to dive into this month, is it's, it's not based on the latest reality show couple or, or this trending couple that we see or the people that we follow See, our understanding of a relationship or a healthy one must be based, and I'm gonna say this all throughout the month, is the word of God. Has to be. That's our standard. That's our guide. You could say, that's our blueprint. Come on, you know what a blueprint is, right? I mean, we get to, we get to share in this space here. What a wonderful space. But you know that before the space came, somebody made a design, somebody made a plan, somebody had a blueprint for that the workers can come together and build this thing that we experience in this moment. We know that a blueprint is a guide to make something happen. It's, it's a design or a pattern to be followed. And I'm gonna tell you that the word of God is our blueprint for life and relationships. That's what we're gonna talk about this month. We need to, to use it to build up our lives, to build up our relationships. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, most of us have gone after what the world's definition of a blueprint is for relationships. Come on, some of us are bearing the scars of that. Some of us are, are still walking into, into uh, the baggage that that comes with trying to pursue this life of perfection of thinking that if I just have the perfect setup, then I'll be much happier. And we pursue these things of this perfect relationship goals in our lives. And unfortunately, when we did it the wrong way, when we did it outside of God's blueprints, Outside of God's word, we end up with bad credit, block numbers, a little more weight, and a whole lot of explaining to do. So in this series, I hope that we can learn together. Come on, there's no, this is not a perfect church because we're not made of perfect people. 
but we wanna be healthy, we wanna grow, we wanna do things the right way. So if that's you, you're in the right place because that's what we're about here at Grace Church. But my hope is that we learn how to develop and achieve biblical relationship goals in all aspects. Now, sometimes when I say the word relationship, I know what you think and you're thinking, oh, okay, this is for the married couple. Come on, where's all my single people at right now? If you're single in the room, if you're single in the room, come on, I know you're here, I know who you are. Just stand up for a moment, just stand up for a single people. All right, look around, look. My guy right there, look, turn around, look around, okay. All right, there you go. You can pay me later. God, this is where you're supposed to find somebody, right? Church, come on. But in this series, I want us to learn how to have the right kind of relationship. And then I'm not just talking about married relationships. I'm talking about sibling relationships and, 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 and all the relationships, parents and kids. That's what we're gonna learn. I hope that in the next four weeks, we, we learn a lot. I hope we laugh a lot. Because there's gonna be some things that I'm gonna bring up. And I'm not afraid to bring up all types of issues up here. Things that we're gonna have to laugh at because it's just human nature. Yeah. The things that we do yeah. that we don't understand why. But I hope, most of all, that we get challenged a lot. Because I think that in this, uh, this particular uh, topic, I mean, I'm telling you, when I say words like family, when I say words like relationship, I know for many of us, man, that, that's not a good word for us. We're walking through some tough seasons. And I think for any of us who feel like we've done all right, I'm telling you, there's still room to grow. There's still room to grow. So please don't miss a Sunday, because we're gonna dive right into these topics, and, and I wanna share more, but... What I wanna do is I wanna take us through a book, probably a book of the Bible that you don't normally think of when you think of relationship. It's an Old Testament book. It's actually, if you're new to church and you just got a Bible, I'm telling you, I'm gonna make it easy on you. It's the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. The book of Genesis. Now, did you know that the book of Genesis has 50 chapters? Some of you didn't know that. You know, sometimes you think of Genesis and you think of creation, right? Do you know that it's only two chapters in the book of Genesis? So what's all the rest of it about? What's the 48 chapters about after creation? You know what it's about? It's about family. It's about relationships. It's about God building up this family to become nations. And that's why I think we got a lot to learn as we dive into this book and we see these different relationships. And some of you guys have read this book and you know the relationships that are recorded in this book. And there's a lot of dysfunction, so you're gonna feel all right about your situation. Lots of dysfunction. But you're also gonna be hopeful and you're gonna be encouraged because you're gonna see that out of that dysfunction, God was able to redeem these families and these individuals. And oftentimes, God just used one person and he transformed their life and they were able to lead their family and move into a place in a future that God has called them to live. Maybe you're that one. If you come here today and you feel like, man, I got the short end of the stick when it comes to families, and I've come from a family that, that has some hard stuff behind it. Maybe my family isn't good enough. Maybe my family isn't able to find that good future. I'm telling you, you're here on purpose for a purpose. Yeah. And God wants you to hear this and be transformed by his word so that maybe you're the one that's gonna change the direction of your family for the future. I believe in that kind of God. And when we see these, script, these stories and we open up the scripture, we're gonna see that God did this to many. Families. My old pastor used to say this. He said, families are the most powerful institutions in the world. They are. I wonder why the enemy tries so hard. He tries so hard. And he's been very successful at going after families, trying to divide them and destroy these family units. 
Now, last week, if you were here during our Easter service, I, when I talked about this series, I said, you know, oftentimes, oftentimes, some of our biggest regrets and our deepest hurts come out of the context of family relationships. That's just the reality. That's just what happens. So, so where do we start? How do we get, begin? Well, we're going to begin in the beginning for the very first relationship recorded in the Bible. So hopefully I gave you enough time to find Genesis, okay? <laughs> but it's the first family unit. It's Adam and Eve. And they started out, man, they were the ultimate relationship goals, right? I mean, just imagine what they had. This perfect environment, right? Perfect bods, right? Endless food. I mean, some of you, some of you uh, married people with kids, man, remember, think of life before you had your kids, right? You know, double income, you know, no kids. Come on, you were living it up. <laughs> but the best thing that they experienced, the best thing that they experienced was this perfect relationship with their creator, this perfect relationship with God that they experienced. But you know, when I read through this story and I look at it from the beginning, I say, man, you know, when some of us are familiar with this story and we see what happened and what transpired, and what is the biggest takeaway from the story is that life is not about circumstances because they had great circumstances. Life is about choices. See, we get mixed up sometimes and we make life about circumstances so we pursue all these things. We think, man, if we just had the right job, we're making the right money, we have less stress in our lives, we're in the perfect environment, then maybe, maybe I'll start having a healthier, I'll be healthier in my relationships, but it's all about your choices. Right decisions produce healthy relationships. So this morning, I wanna begin, as we go into this study, I wanna begin with three big ideas, three big ideas about, about why this is important why this is important. Number one, we have to understand this, is that God designed us for relationships. In other words, God created us for relationships. I'm gonna prove that to you today, that you were created for this. God is a relational being. And when he created us in his image, which I'm about to read and share scriptures, that he created us in his image, this is the, the part of his image that reflects him the most, is how about our relational capacity. If you have your Bibles, Genesis 1, we'll have it up here on the screen. Verse 27, it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God created them male and female, he created them. So from the very beginning, God had both genders in mind. Both. And he created them in his image. It wasn't that he felt like he made all these half people, but he made full whole people and he wanted them to, to build their lives. But it was in their in their wholeness that they bear the image of God, both male and female. You know what I love about the Bible is that it doesn't just show us what God did. It doesn't just show us how God did it, but it tells us behind the scenes of what was going on in his heart and in his mind as he was doing it. And so God, at the very beginning, had this in mind that he would, bear, he would make these, these, these human beings and he would bear, they would bear his image, both male and female. And then we see what he does. The very first blessing from God, just imagine the blessing from God, that's important. The very first one, as he created man, uh, man and woman, and he's, and he's, and he's created them, and, he, and, and, and it's awesome, and he blesses them. And how does he bless them? He blesses them, and he says, be fruitful and increase in number. In other words, he tells them to grow in their relationships. He tells them that they're going to have many relationships so that you have to understand is that relationships are a blessing from God. They're a blessing from God. 
God created us with these relational needs. What kind of needs? Well, it's how God designed us because we're in his image. So there's these needs. There's three needs. God created us, number one, and this is, this is gonna be in the order of importance this morning. So our first need that he built in us as a relational being just like him is this need for him. Relationship with our creator. So just in case you were brought up in a background that told you that God is this God who, who, who he created all things, I and mean, maybe you're realizing in life, you're like, man, there, there's some things that just don't make sense in the universe and the world. There has to be an intelligent designer. There has to be a God up there somewhere. But in your heart, you're like, yeah, I think he's just a God who sits back. He did it all. He sits back, he crosses his arms, and he just lets us figure things out. I'm telling you that if that's what you believe, that's not the truth. Because every time I read the Bible, I read about a relational God who wants to be sought, who wants you to know him and does everything he can for for you to to know him and he can come close to you. He's not just this higher power. He's a God who wants to be known, a God who wants to be sought after, a God who wants a relationship with you. And what's amazing to me is that every person created, everyone, everybody say everyone, everyone, was created with the ability to relate and to connect with God through intimacy and worship. That was what he put in us. That's how he created us, is to have this need for him. See, we have to understand him better so that we can understand ourselves better. What do I mean by that? Well, here's what you have to understand, is that if we believe in our doctrine, and our foundation, we believe that God is a God who is a triune God. He's a trinity. Everybody heard of that? Three in one? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And as we see this Godhead, we see that and understand that the image of this Godhead, of, of what he created us in, what does that teach us about God? It teaches us that there was this perfect harmony within the relationship with the Godhead based on unity and diversity. They were three in one, diverse but united, whole, one. Three persons, one being, who is God himself. Think about that. They, they never fought, there was never a disagreement you know what else? Is that they, they shared this perfect unity, but also functioned with perfect love. And then what we see in this very first chapter, in this very first chapter, we, we see a dialogue happening within the Godhead. So that tells us the communication was how this relationship was expressed. This, what, is this, what does this teach us about us and our relationship needs? Here's the thing. This is, this is the blueprint of a healthy relationship. We all want unity and diversity, don't we? We wanna be ourselves. We wanna be everything that we are and we want people to accept us for ourselves but we wanna be united together. What do we want? We want unconditional love. We want love and acceptance with no strings attached. And we want honest communications. We want people that lovingly tell us the truth. If you're not convinced of that, that those are your biggest needs, and then what happens when these things are not met in a relationship? How unhealthy does that go? But this is the blueprint. This is what God has given us. That's how he built us. That's how he wired us. And we see this relationship in this way, in this Godhead, in God, and how he functions. So then God has to be this, this, this perfect source for us to go to. He has to be our primary source for us to experience this type of relationship. So it all starts with him and us. You're not wandering around this earth looking for your soulmate. God is wanting you to call you to yourself primarily to go to him, to come to him, to be fulfilled in him, to be complete in him. Our number one relationship need is with God. Not a person, not a people, our creator. See, when you get connected with God well, 
everything else in your relationship starts to be healthy. So the second one, what's the second one? God created us to have a relationship with ourselves. You might go, what? (laughs) That seems a little different. But I want to convince you of this. Because you have to understand that some people have a very terrible relationship with themselves. And it stops many of us from having healthy connections and relationships with other people. Because we can't accept ourselves. Listen to what the scripture says. Look in chapter 2, verse 25. Listen to how Adam and Eve experienced this. It says, it says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Come on, husbands are writing this down as their life verse right here, right? <laughs> Sorry. Thanks for laughing over here. <laughs> but I want us to focus on the word shame. The word shame. So shame is not just the feeling of doing something wrong. It's the mindset of, I am something wrong. See, the Hebrew word, the, the root word is disappointment. And it's not just this temporary feeling of letting people down. It's this, it's this mindset that goes into your identity to say that I am a disappointment. And for many of us, we feel this way. We've received this mindset because of our family, because of our upbringing, And we can't shake that off, and so we walk in shame. People may not see that on the outside, but everything we're doing is functioning with this filter in our lives, that we're a disappointment, that we bear the shame. We're not happy with who we are. But I'm telling you that from the very beginning, God created us to be comfortable in our own skin. See, when you have a good relationship with God, it is possible to have a good relationship with yourself. Somebody needed to hear that this morning, because some of us have been struggling with this. And I'm not talking about being arrogant or conceited or thinking that you're better than someone else. I'm talking about having a healthy self-love, of having healthy regards for yourself, understanding that you are valuable because you are made into the image of God and that you are his and he is yours, that you live on purpose for a purpose. And it's only until we understand this, our need for him, our need to accept ourselves, that we can in turn now have good relationships with others. And that's the third part. God created us to have a great relationship with each other. What's interesting about this creation story, which I really highly recommend that this week you read the first three chapters of Genesis. But what we see is God created all of these amazing things, this universe and, and the creation all around us in this world, and yet he called it all good, except for one thing he said was not good. What did he say it was not good? He said it was not good for man to be alone. This is before sin entered the world. He said, this is not good that, that man should not be alone. See, God designed, it, uh, designed us to need fellowship and companionship. A few weeks ago, a few of us went to this marriage conference. Come on, how many of you guys went to the marriage conference? Uh, so I'm so proud of you for investing in your marriage. We all went to this marriage, and there was a speaker there that talked about this passage of scripture, and it was, it was really insightful. It was something that I didn't really, I, I've never really heard before, and, and, and he kind of filled in a few things, but I, I want to share it with you because it really made an impact on me. He talked about this moment in, in Adam's life as Adam is, 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 is walking around the earth, and God gave him a job, and what was his job? His job was to, to, uh, to name the animals. And see, it would have been easy for God to, to tell Adam that he needed a companion, but Adam didn't understand that he needed companionship, but just God telling him, he had to feel it. He had to feel that need deep down inside. And so what God did is he had the animals come and parade in front of him, and he started naming them off. And as he started going through all the species of animals and all of his kind, he noticed that there was something different about what they had than what he had. 
that they all had their, 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 their like kind with them and as they were walking through and after he got done with all, all the animals, he realized deep in his heart that he was lonely. He needed companionship and that's when God brought Eve into his life. Genesis 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 18, it says, when the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone, I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see that when he would name them and whatever the man called each living creature, it was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she shall be taken out of man. I enter so much into this in the scripture but I want you to see this. This wasn't about dominance or hierarchy. It was about equality. See, at the very beginning as God created mankind, he created them with unity and diversity. We see that in the first relationship. See, they were different in many ways, but they were also similar. They were also the same. And this was the original intent for a relationship. But God gave us a blueprint. He created us for a relationship, and these relationships were meant to prosper and to benefit our lives. But we see that it all got messed up, didn't we? We see that something happened. This was a perfect setup, and we had the blueprint, but yet for some reason we stepped away from that. And something happened that changed all of our lives. What did? The rebellion. The rebellion in our hearts. And we see that in the very next chapter, chapter three, verse six. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desired from gaining wisdom, desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then, then the, <clears throat> the eyes were both of them were open and they realized that they were naked. It's interesting that in the previous chapter it says that they were naked and unashamed and now they're realizing something's different. So what did they do? How did they respond? It says that they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. It's interesting that in this moment they exchanged a desire for intimacy and exchanged it for a desire to hide, to cover up. Verse eight, it says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cold of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. And the Lord called out to them, to the man and said, where are you? See, God knew where he was at, right? He wasn't asking them where he was. He was asking them, why are you hiding? Isn't that how it happens sometimes when some of the hurtful things that we've gone through in our relationships with loved ones is when they hide something from us. And the question for us is, why did you have to hide? You know that I love you. You know that I care about you. But why did you have to hide this? Some of you are walking that out right now. And I want to tell you, there's a God in heaven that understands what you're going through. And he's one that you can, they can come to. He will heal your heart. But I want you to know that that is what's happening right now. And so Adam turns to God. He says, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid Four verses. In four verses, as we see, that it changed everything. Everything. So what does that mean for you and I? What does that mean for us today? It means that our rebellion affected all of our relationships. How? 
because we ignored God's blueprint for God's best. It's amazing that the temptation that came, the, the decision that they made was, was to not trust God, to question the number one relational need that they had. The enemy took that. And what did he do? He came to them and he said, did God really withhold something from you? And then he tempted her where you could be like God, do it your way. In other words, can, you can get to the same place going your own way. My question this morning is when it comes to relationships, which voice are you listening to? Because God's given you a blueprint. You know, in theology, this is called the fall of man, but I also like to call it the fall of all relationships. Because what happened, immediately they were cut off from God and started to get cut off from one another. Because what happens here? What happens when this happens? This is what sin did to our relationships. It says that they hid and they blamed or they fought and they, or fight or flight, right? That's our natural default. When we have conflict in relationships, when we're afraid of getting caught with something and we're afraid that we just let somebody down, what is our natural default go-to? Hiding and blaming. It's hard to say I'm sorry. It's hard to humble yourself. It's hard to walk in kindness and when you're hurt, right? Those are hard things, but what's the easy thing? Hide and blame. Isn't that funny how we have that in us? So we hide. They hid. I think mankind does the same thing, except this time they hide God from themselves. So easier to believe that he doesn't exist, but God's there. They do everything they can to kind of avoid it, but see, the Bible tells us that God put eternity in the heart of every person. So no matter how much they try to deny God and suppress the knowledge, deep inside they know that there must be a God. And then what do we do? We blame. Look at what they do. Verses 12 and 13, it says, then the man said, the woman, you, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And then God said to the woman, what have you done? And she said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. Isn't that amazing? That they blame God, they blame each other. And that's how it happens in our relationships. And it broke our relationship with our creator Sin broke our relationship with ourselves, with each other. I mean, I think about this and I think about how much has this affected all the families throughout the generations because of the hiding and the blaming, the hiding and the blaming. And some of us have gone through some of that in our own family history or we see generations affected because people are hiding and blaming, hiding and blaming because of the act of sin. And I think about how much generations have gone through this vicious cycle and how much pain and hurt we've, ex- we've experienced even in our own lives. So where do we go from here? What's the answer? Well, thank God that he still gave us the blueprint, amen? Yeah. And thank God that he hasn't changed his plan for our families. What, are we, what am I talking about? There's a word called redemption. I'm about to wrap up here. This is a very important word because what does it mean? It means to buy back something that was lost or taken from you. And God promised us that there would be redemption. The only reason why we could do this is because he paid for our redemption. I mean, come on, wasn't that what all Easter was about? Wasn't that what we were celebrating is that he came to redeem us, to purchase us back in relationship with God? Now remember, when Adam and Eve, when they fell, they tried to cover themselves up, didn't they? They got fig leaves, they tried to cover, they tried to hide. But what did God do? How did God respond? So the last verse here, it's 
verse 21. It says, the Lord made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. You know the key there for me as I was reading this is that God took the responsibility to clothe them. This is an important detail, friends. What we see here is that straight after the fall, God addresses something. What does he address? He addresses their nakedness, which in this context means their shame. It wasn't just physical, but it was spiritual. And he had to cover them. He had to cover them so they could be back in relationship with him. And he could have used anything, any type of material. He could have used anything. But here again, God's bringing something out for them to see and experience so that they would figure out that they have a big, great need inside them. What was the need? The need was for a savior. So what does Jesus, what does God do? What does he use? He uses animal skin. He sacrifices the first animal ever for the first sin ever. An animal had never died before. Never. Blood was never shed in front of them before. This was mankind's first experience to see death in front of them. And God was showing them. God sacrificed an animal to cover their sin so that they could be reconciled back in relationship with him. But this wasn't a, 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 a permanent fix. This, wasn't, this was a temporary thing. This was to show him that he would promise them that someday there would be one that would come, that would be sacrificed for them and that their shame and their naked, nakedness would be clothed in righteousness. But one had to come. One had to die. One's blood had to be shed for what they've done. So he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Jesus was the ultimate covering for us. Jesus covers us with his righteousness. Jesus redeems us and clothes us in spiritual righteousness. And so now we understand that through relationship, he restored all relationships. Through his sacrifice, he restored all relationships with him, with ourselves, and with each other. That's what the cross means. That's what he did for us. So what is God's redemption plan? What is God's redemption plan? Well, it begins with him reconciling us with himself. That's where we begin. I mean, I have so much stuff that I wanna share, and I can give you all these practical steps of how to have a better relationship with your spouse, with your kids, and those are all good things, but let me tell you, if, if God is not the source, if God is not the foundation, if it doesn't start with reconciling with him, then I'm telling you, all those things will not last. But there has to be transformation in your heart today. For this to happen, for this to be changed, for this to be experienced, it all starts with what's your relationship with God? The biggest need that you have, are you able to now reconcile that back and build that up and start there? So this morning, before we go any further into the series, I wanted to have a moment and not go any further to get into this place today and say, God, I need this. Maybe some of us in this room, we've never experienced this before. And I wanna invite you this morning to make that opportunity to receive his forgiveness for you, to find this relationship, this newfound relationship that you've never experienced with your creator and it's gonna change your life. He's gonna take that heart of, heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh that you're gonna feel like you've never felt before. You're gonna experience life like you've never experienced before. It's only through the cross, it's only through Jesus. He will cover you. And I just sense in my heart that there's some of us who have not made that step and today's your day, today's your moment to make that, up, to make that step. So if that's you today, will you be so bold to stand up? I mean, come on, this is a real church with real people. 
No one's gonna judge you. We're all gonna be excited for you. We're all gonna stand with you. Come on, if that's you today, will you raise your hand? Will you, will you say, hey, that's me? Come on. Yeah, amen, amen. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. I wanna walk with you and teach you and have you walk this out. For the rest of us, can we just close our eyes and bow our heads? And I just sense in my heart that there's some of us that are struggling with all these relational places that Christ has redeemed us in, yet we have not accepted. We have not accepted that spot, part of our lives yet. Maybe for some of us, it's loving ourselves and we've gone through all this stuff in our hearts and we're struggling with this identity of shame, disappointment. And I just sense in my heart that today, God wants to get you free from that. He wants to show you that he covered you so if that's you right now, will you respond to him? Will you respond to this word? And would you be reconciled in that area? The same blood that saved you is the same blood that will heal you right now in your heart. And I know there's many of us in this room, when we think of family dynamics, when we think of family relationships, we are carrying so much baggage, so much hurt. And I want to invite you to, you invite God into that space. Invite God into that area. Allow him to now reconcile that back so that you will be different, that you would respond, that he has the blueprint right in front of you and he'll show you and guide you. And you'll be able to express more self-control, more kindness, more gentleness, more forgiveness. Come on, it's gonna come from the inside out. So come on, just ask him, see, God, I need you to help transform me so that I can now turn my family's destiny and move it forward to the plan and purposes that you have. I wanted to close in this way. This is something I've been praying about. You could open your eyes. I've been praying about this all week, and I feel right about this, so I'm going to invite my wife to come up. I just sense in my heart that there may be some of us that need prayer for our marriages, prayer for our relationships with our fiance, boyfriend, girlfriend, and I just pray that you would respond this morning to be in a place where you could ask for prayer, that you could let us bless you and pray over you. I got some friends here that will join me in that. So if you're, if you're part of that prayer team, I trust these people. They will pray with you. Here at Grace Church, we talk about no one stands alone. And I just sense in my heart that you don't have to be in a crisis, but you might just have to be in a place where you're like, we need more faith. Whatever God's doing, sometimes you just are, are feeling the pressure from in-laws or extended family about decisions that you guys are holding up together and you just need covering, will you come? Will you be part of having this moment be a time of building up your faith, connecting you together? Because the enemy wants everything, he, everything to tear you apart. But I'm saying you gotta fight and you gotta stand and you gotta be willing to, in a setting like this, say, You're the, I need this. God will honor you. God will meet you. I believe it with all my heart. And as I was praying all week, I felt like this was a big moment for some marriages, for some couples in this room. Will you allow us to bless you? So I'll dismiss the rest of us, and I want to ask you to just respect this moment for many people that I believe God brought here for this reason.
and, and you could have great conversations out in the lobby, grab some coffee. But I think there, I want to create a place here for those that need prayer, that are responding to this word, and you can come and we'll pray for you. So can we all stand to our feet right now? As soon as I say amen, come forward, and we're going to keep this atmosphere. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. If you're first time here, welcome to Grace Church. Well, let me just pray us out, and then I'm going to ask those that want a prayer to come forward. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be here. We thank you so much for what you're doing. I thank you for your word that's been given, God. I believe it is healing hearts already. And I pray, God, that you would just stir up the hearts of these couples, God, these marriages, these, these engaged couples, God, these dating couples, God. Those Maybe there's somebody here that just has a broken heart over their family, God, and they need prayer. I pray you stir their hearts right now. Show them that you are here, that you are trustworthy, and that you can take their heart, and that you can mend it, and that you can build them up and transform their lives today through your Holy Spirit. We thank you for this church. We pray that you continue to bind us together, continue to grow us, and continue to let us be an influence out in the worlds that we live in every day. So I pray a blessing over this congregation, and we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, God bless you guys. We love you guys. We're gonna pray.